A visit from Lady Jacqueline. I realized with a start that I had overslept by at least an hour and swung my feel to the floor, for a few seconds my room seemed to whirl around me and I clutched at the edge of the mattress for support. Fortunately the dizziness quickly passed and I got cautiously to my feet. The room seemed unusually bright with the different colors standing out with an unusual clarity. I grimaced to myself because I recognized the symptoms of a low-level Meniere's attack. I probably shouldn't have been surprised considering the previous day's stress, but it hadn't crossed my mind that it would trigger my debilitating illness. I took two pills and lay carefully back onto my bed to allow the drugs to work. Half an hour later I cautiously washed, shaved and dressed before making my way carefully downstairs. Because Meniere's affects your balance you find yourself making slow deliberate movements in much the same way that someone who is quite intoxicated does. Rapid movements, especially head movements, are rewarded with waves of dizziness, or worse. The result of all this is that you do things rather more slowly than normal. The other thing that happens is that you start staggering slightly while walking which leads some uncharitable people to assume that you have been drinking. I opened the back door and watched as the two dogs raced into the garden. The air smelt delightfully fresh and I was pleased to see that the day was set to be fair. I found myself smiling as Honey pushed through the thickest of my shrubs just to dislodge the remaining moisture onto her coat, her tail wagging as she enjoyed herself. I turned back into the kitchen and filled the kettle. As I did so my ginger cat reared up from his position by the sink and with his paws on my shoulders started rubbing his head against my face. His purring soothed me and I was grateful for the friendly greeting. Once the kettle was on I put out the cat's food then fed the dogs. Tara daintily sniffed her food and then gracefully began to eat. Kathkin, on the other hand, totally ignored his own food and started eating the moist meaty pieces and the complete dog food that I fed honey. I made a pot of black ginger tea. A relative of mine who works as a midwife had told me that ginger helps when you are feeling nauseous and had recommended ginger tea, it was good advice and had made my manieres more bearable. The dogs came bounding in from the garden and started eating their own breakfast, still feeling rather nauseous I decided to wait and order something from the key when I felt better. I collected the paper from the hall and glanced through it while enjoying my tea and stroking the cats. I find this quiet time in the morning gives me time to think about the forthcoming day and prepare myself for it. At last I rinsed my cup, put my laptop into its bag and the small padded envelope in my pocket. I snapped the dog's collars on and attached their leads and left my cottage. I walked down Cliff Road enjoying the morning sunshine and nodding at my neighbors and replying to their greetings. Where I live most of the residents are retired people and there is a nice sense of being a community. There were however a pair of serpents in my Eden, in the persons of Mr. and Mrs. May. He had been something terribly important in London before his retirement, the two of them amused themselves by looking down their noses at the rest of the community and complaining about everything. It was just my luck that the two of them came out of their drive on the other side of the road with their two spoiled West Highland Terriers. The two dogs were like their owners, yappy and unsocialized. Mr. Courtney, a word please. Mrs. May spoke in what she considered to be a really refined accent. A wave of sorrow washed over me as I remembered that I'd never hear Gregory parody her again. Good day, how can I be of service on this pleasant morning? Elizabeth tells me that I tend to overdo the bonhomie with people I don't really like and says that it is a form of passive sarcasm. She's probably right but I enjoy occupying the moral high ground with despicable excrescences like the maze. You have to do something about your damn dog, Mr. May was in a belligerent mood. It was barking most of the night and kept us awake. Actually she barked a couple of times at about two when a fox disturbed the bins. Apart from that she was quiet. Are you sure it wasn't your playful dogs having a game? I smiled as if talking to them was the greatest pleasure in my life. Your dog. Barking. All night long. 
disgraceful and you won't even apologize. Mr. May loved to use a clip staccato mode of speech with what he viewed as social inferiors as if he somehow risked contamination if he used proper sentences. As you will, I replied waving jauntily and turned to continue on my way. I haven't finished yet. He snapped, either get your cursome training or I'll complain to the estate about you. His wife said something softly to him and he returned to the attack, and you can get rid of your second dog too. Your house is much too small for two big dogs as well, especially as one is a weapon dog that you've just got to terrify the neighborhood. I glanced at Henry who was quite small for a staffy and was at that moment hiding behind my legs trembling. I remembered that Gregory had described him as a wimp and occasionally called him the princess. I brought my head back up quickly and a wave of dizziness washed over me. Good day, I replied curtly suddenly remembering the old saying that you should never egg you with a fool because onlookers might not be able to see any difference. As I walked off I heard Mrs. May proclaim loudly, don't waste your time dear, didn't you see him stagger? The man's obviously drunk even at this time of the morning. By that time I'd turned the corner and her diatribe faded away behind me. My good mood had however gone and I reflected that my neighbors would, indeed, be complaining to the estate and anyone else that they could think of about my shortcomings. I walked into the post office and was greeted by Joanne Taylor. She is a lovely widow who works as our sub-postmistress. She is one of those pleasantly plump, middle-aged ladies who are always gossiping but who will willingly go the extra mile to help anyone. She has a wicked sense of humor that is coupled with genuine compassion. The gossip was that you'd killed Gregory in a lover's tiff and had been carted off to Dorchester Prison. I was reliably informed that it was a good thing that you'd been arrested and we'd never have to suffer your licentious bohemian behavior again. Mrs. May? I asked. The same charming lady, Mrs. Taylor confirmed. I told her you had a thing for that nice girl who works with you. I started to protest then realized that she was having a joke at my expense so I laughed with her. I placed the small padded envelope on the counter and asked for it to be sent recorded delivery. Mrs. Taylor looked at it and smiled up at me. This is going to Victoria, that nice woman who visited you soon after you moved here. I was sorry that things didn't work out for you but I'm glad you keep in contact with her. I smiled slightly ruefully, Mrs. Taylor made it her business to know everything about the residents of Chidiac Whitchurch but did so in such a pleasant fashion that no one minded. One of her favorite pastimes was matchmaking and she was convinced that Elizabeth and I would make a perfect couple. No amount of denial would change her mind in the slightest. It was a great pity that you were so depressed after your father's death that you had to make a clean break and that your friend couldn't leave her practice. She seemed so right for you. I reflected that my ex-girlfriend had spent one painful weekend with me as we struggled with the realization that our paths had parted and that our love wasn't strong enough to hold us together. During that visit she had gone for a quiet walk round the town and had suffered from Mrs. Taylor's third degree. From that one chat our sub-postmistress knew everything about us and had understood our tragedy in a totally non-judgmental way. She was right, I had been depressed and had thrown something beautiful away in my despair and pain. I left the post office with my good mood restored and made my way to the gallery, stopping only to buy some fruit and a large bunch of flowers to brighten the place up. On arriving at the gallery and found Tony manning the counter with Elizabeth's laptop open in front of him as he quickly formatted a spreadsheet to act as a temporary till and stock controller for us. The sound of excited voices at the studio end of the gallery reminded me that Elizabeth was doing her art pottery demonstration for the art class. If she were following her normal pattern she would be producing a simple but elegant statuette of Frodo who could be trusted to pose for these classes. By the end of the week most of the class would have purchased some of her pottery. Some of them would also commission likenesses of their own pets. I had a model of my two felines curled together on my sitting room mantelpiece. It was so lifelike and tactile that I sometimes found myself caressing it. 
probably to Tara's great amusement. You look a bit rough today boss, Tony greeted me with a smile. If you want to work in your office I'll bring you a coffee now and later I'll run down to the quay for some baguettes, the special is hot pork, stuffing and salad. That do for you? Gratefully I retreated into my office and left the gallery to my capable assistants. I set up my laptop and found to my astonishment that our Wi-Fi was still operating as I had assumed that the modem had been stolen with the rest of our equipment. I decided that I would finish Gregory's art book and send it to the printers before anything else could happen to it. In truth all that was necessary was a final review to make sure that everything was correct and within a couple of hours I had finished uploading the book onto the publishing site I prefer. All that remained for me to do was to decide on the book's cover and this was simply as case of sending a file as Gregory had designed the cover himself using a detail of one of his paintings. Fifteen minutes later the job was done and I instructed the site to process the book. This stage always takes some time as the host site software builds the book and with a number of plates and illustrations I knew it would be several hours before I could approve the draft and instruct the site to publish it. I poured two cups of coffee and made my way down to the studio end of the gallery where our course were diligently trying to produce something in clay. I gave Elizabeth her coffee and walked around talking to our guests and trying to comment, positively, on their creations. To my surprise Mr. Prentice was working on a beautifully observed plaque of a horse's head, the mane flowing with a suggestion of speed and grace. That's very good Mr. Prentice, you have a very good eye. The old man turned round to face me, I've always loved horses. When I was young I was a good amateur jockey until Windwing Gold, he gestured towards his plaque, fell and rolled on my leg at Goodwood. Shattered the bones in five places and put an end to my riding career. My uncle dragooned me into the bank when I was through convalescing. I'm not the boring old fossil you thought, am I? Well you learn something every day, I admitted. You do have a great eye. Would you like to enter it into our winter competition? Do you think I'd win? Perhaps, but I'd really like more people to appreciate it. It shows what you can achieve with a square of clay, a sharp point and some simple flowing lines. Okay, I will enter it on one condition. Which is? You get me a cup of coffee, white with two sugars. But if my wife ever asks it is decaffeinated with sweeteners. I went on my mission with a laugh. The amateur artist groups have taught me not to prejudge our guests but I find myself leaping to conclusions all the time. By the end of the lesson I had provided everyone with a drink and carried the biscuit tin round. Elizabeth loaded the kiln and told our guests that their work would be ready for collection the next day. Good lesson? I asked as the last of the group were shown out by Tony. I thought that there were some quite good attempts. The best was Mr. Prentice and I'm glad you persuaded him to enter his work into the winter show. The man not only has a great talent but there is a passion in his work. When they did watercolors on the beach he produced a wonderful study of Lady Jacqueline and Thor, only a quick sketch, a few lines suggesting the bodies but really brilliant. I think it might be a good idea to invite him on one of the painting weeks so that he can do his own work over several days. Do you think his wife would be interested? Not in the slightest. She's here on sufferance but I know that she and her sister spend a week in New York every November for a bit of shopping and as there is a painting week scheduled then I thought we'd invite him. I helped her clean up after the class and then walked back to the desk so that Tony could leave on his errand of mercy to the bakery. While I glanced over that morning's figures, Elizabeth exclaimed over the flowers that Tony had placed into an old pickled onion jar, then with her usual artistic skill set about arranging them properly in one of her own vases. You looked unstable when you arrived this morning, she suddenly asked without glancing at me. Only a slight attack this time but obvious enough for my charming neighbors to assume that I was drunk. What was their grievance this time? Honey barked at a fox in the early hours and apparently it kept them awake all night. 
I found myself telling her about my night. My fright and about the data sticks and how I had sent one to my friend in Bournemouth. A good idea but I will be a lot happier when you finish the book. I should have it published by Monday and have ordered the first copy. If that's okay we order at least another 50 books the following week. I don't honestly know why it happened but the next moment I found myself enjoying another spontaneous hug. I was really going to have to be careful or I might find myself ruining our friendship with an unwelcome advance. We ate a companionable lunch with Tony who was trying to persuade Elizabeth that, since her baguette contained some lettuce it was actually a salad and therefore non-fattening. With a final laugh Tony departed leaving the gallery quiet with his going. There was a subtle tension in the air and I found myself stealing quick glances at Elizabeth only to catch her doing the same. I knew I had to nip this in the bud. I was far too old for her and all I would do would be to hurt a friend who had already suffered from several bad relationships. I was, therefore, very relieved when the gallery door opened at about 2.30 and Lady Jacqueline entered accompanied by her daughter and Vaughn. I invited Lady Jacqueline, who is after all, our greatest patron, through to the office while Elizabeth bustled around fetching hot drinks. This is a bad business, John, Lady Jacqueline began sadly. I know we were going to have Gregory as our featured artist. But with his death and the theft of his paintings, should we cancel the exhibition out of respect or go with another artist? We thought we might do a retrospective featuring all the cooperative's founder members but I do have most of Gregory's records on disc and taking into account his paintings that are owned by our members I think we can collect sufficient examples to do his retrospective. I'm glad, I would like to hold the exhibition as a memorial to him, Lady Jacqueline smiled ruefully. Gregory could be very hard to get on with but I did like him. I turned to Anne and smiling at her said, your husband has very nicely offered us the loan of one of Gregory's paintings that he has in his chambers. He was going to bring it to the gallery tomorrow but it might be safer if you kept it in the dower house for a week, just in case we have another visit. That's very nice of him I'm sure, and responded with some heat, an angry red flush on her cheeks. He should have come down from London yesterday once the murder was discovered to protect me. I tried to call him but his chambers said he was unavailable. It was only after some persuasion that his secretary bothered to tell me that he was in court on an embezzlement case. When I finally spoke to him last night he refused to come down as he had an important lunch meeting and would be home as normal this evening. He couldn't really drop everything in, Lady Jacqueline remonstrated with her daughter. You moved back into the manor anyway to look after me so we are together. I don't care mother, his place is here. He's a barrister after all and he could have dealt with those silly policemen rather than leaving you to pick up the pieces. That's a bit unfair, the detective inspector had a few questions about the estate and I was happy to help. David will be back tonight as usual anyway, so nothing has occurred that he could have prevented with his presence. What about your children, can either of them come down if you are that worried? Elizabeth asked. Ian can't come down as he's taking part in a round-the-world yacht race. I had an email from him yesterday. They have just reached Cape Town and are in third place, there was a breathless excitement in Anne's voice and I realized that she vicariously lived her son's adventures and triumphs. They have a two-day break before the race resumes and the leader will have only a four-hour head start. I can't ask him to come home considering all the effort he put into getting onto this crew. What about Antonia? Elizabeth's eyes lit with friendship as she spoke, considering that she is a detective inspector in the Metropolitan Police I would have thought that her expertise and advice would be more pertinent. That one? She's only interested in her career, she's never been one to put her mother in front of her own selfishness. The coldness in Anne's voice was startling and I was just about to ask a question when I saw Elizabeth make a small shushing gesture and silently mouth a word, which I thought was later. Anne, I think you are being unfair to Antonia. We both know that she would be here if either of us were at any real risk. 
Lady Jacqueline's voice was calming and I resolved to find out from Elizabeth what the true story was. Mother, in case you haven't noticed there is a maniac stalking the streets of this town as well as the murder, there has been a break-in and a pointless piece of arson. All of which have been directed at Gregory Adams and the cooperative so I don't think we are at risk. Anyway David will be home this evening. Lady Jacqueline turned to me, John, you were doing an art book of Gregory's work to accompany the exhibition. Has that been totally lost? Fortunately Lady Jacqueline, everything is on my laptop, I've nearly finished working on the book and will have it published and with the printers by Monday at the latest. When can I have a copy of it? We should get the gallery proof in roughly a week. If the proof is okay I'll order 50 copies in time for the exhibition. As soon as it arrives I'll send a copy up to the manor for you. That's good of you. Lady Jacqueline put down her empty cup and looked around the office, the gallery's computers were stolen in the raid and it will be some time before the insurance company pays up. In the meantime order yourself a replacement system and I'll reimburse you. I know it's a bit greedy, Elizabeth sounded wistful. I was wondering if you'd mind if I improved on the stolen equipment? In what way? I'd like to fix a large flat screen to one of the gallery walls so that we can show some of the videos that our members make as well as having some form of interactive display. Now that is a very good idea. Lady Jacqueline agreed, but wouldn't it work better with a flat screen at either end? Elizabeth nodded her agreement. That's settled then, as soon as the system is set up, please let me know because I'd like to see it and if you have all the invoices ready, I'll arrange payment. We chatted for a short while longer before Lady Jacqueline made her excuses and left the gallery with her daughter. What was that about Anne? I inquired. We are going to the Fisherman's Arms to say goodbye to this week's art group, Elizabeth reminded me. If you pick me up at about half seven, we can walk the dogs and I'll tell you what I know. I agreed to this thoroughly sensible plan. Copyright 2014 Robert M. War. All original rights reserved.